Good afternoon. Welcome into the Online Enquirer podcast. It's Jeremy Warner here with Michael Tulip. We didn't want to let the week go by uh, and not have Michael Tulip on to talk about that Michigan State loss. Um, because I'll be honest with you, Mike, I'm not expecting much to talk about after the Michigan game. So it feels fresher to talk about uh, this Michigan State loss that uh, had some concerning signs of it. Um, I think Illinois is still a very good basketball team, and they're number 14 still in the country in the AP poll. They keep going back and forth between 10 and 14. And to be honest with you, that, that's a, about where I think they should be. But how are you, Mike? Good afternoon, and thanks for joining us live on the YouTube channel here, man. I'm doing well. The sun is shining over here in uh, in Indy. So, uh, you know, this is a, it's a great way to end the day. Yeah. So, Mike, what the hell happened? At the end of the Michigan State game, you got an eight-point lead with under seven minutes left. And I thought they were playing well. I thought the offense was humming. And I was thinking this is this could be the best win of the year for Illinois to win at that Breslin Center that was amped up. I think a Michigan State team that is a good team, that's played like a really good team for the last two months, so how did it all fall apart? Yeah, well, you you hit on a good point because I think going into that game, I I I think I talked on pregame radio, but I said that this is your toughest test of the year. And have you played better teams? Sure, but I thought that with the environment you were going into, that's a desperate MSU team that needed that win to feel like they were at least on the right side of the bubble at this point was still some time to, to play out here, but you know, you like how mentally tough can you be in this game? You've had a long layoff come in. There's not a, a ranking next to Michigan state's logo. Like, like what type of team do you want to be? And I thought for 35 minutes, 34 minutes, it was a hell of an effort really. Um, but the collapse you can factor in a lot of things, obviously not getting stops, turning the ball over, some shot selection, and we can go in, in any direction here, but all those things contributed. And coming after the uh, coming off the Nebraska game, you would, I guess you kind of think that that would rectify. Now those were different in in certain ways, um, in my opinion, but uh that was disappointing because I think if if Michigan State won that game wire to wire, you'd maybe feel like, ah, you know, Michigan State's day, knew it was going to be a tough game. But the fact that you had it and then the game ended that way was, was disappointing. Brad Underwood just had a press conference. He called this team soft. What do you make of that? I, I mean, that's that's a that's a strong that's a strong word, but Look, I think part of this is not – it's not just the fact that they played soft in the last five minutes of that game. That's – their defense is – I don't want to say it's a soft defense because that's that's not – that would that would be the wrong way to frame it. But when you play drop coverage, you know, when you have a Coleman Hawkins that's in a rover spot as opposed to being – where I think he's most successful, even against a non-factor five, you know, up and drop coverage, being able to be active, get his hands on balls. Um, when you play more of like a soft coverage, I feel like guys can kind of fall into that. Whereas if you're blitzing ball screens and if you're trapping in the post and if you're, there's just a natural physicality that comes along with that. But that's, that's on everyone involved to just say, 
you know, either, you, you know, you're tough because you're tough. Like you're not tough because of the coverage. You're not tough because of the matchup that you have. You're tough because that's who you are when you step on the floor. Because if it's like a, oh man, I got to be tough this game. That, that means there's a switch. And switches are bad because, you know, sometimes you can try to turn them on. Sometimes they don't come on. Like it's got to be every single time. Like you look at guys like Andres Felice and Trent Frazier and, and maybe that's a size thing. Yeah. Right. Where there's a survival element to it. Cause I do see, I mean, there's certain guys that come in there that play with that type of desperation defensively. And you just have to fight human nature. If you're this team, cause you are talented offensively, you're talented. Scored so 80 points. Right. So what does that do for you defensively when you're like, ah, you know what? It's not, it's not as dire because we can go take care of it on the other end. Because when this offense is taken off, the defense has kind of gone the opposite way. Who are those guys that you can rely on for that toughness, physicality, grit, all that right now? I mean, I think each guy possesses it in different ways. I think the the guys that come to mind are like a Ty Rogers, are a I think a tough like I think of toughness when I think of Luke Goody. Um, I think a toughness when I think of a Coleman Hawkins and a Taron Shannon and like Damask isn't like a, you know, hit you, bulldoze you type of guy defensively, but Damask has toughness. Like they all have toughness. It's just finding ways to continue to bring that on every single defensive possession. Cause the other thing that I'll say is they have had so many different defensive coverages and that, like, I think there's a law of diminishing returns there at times as well, where it's like, hey, we're in drop or we're switch one through five or we're switch one through four. Or now we're going to show this kind of zone that goes back to man. And there's just so especially in a road environment, when you have all those different coverages and all those different defenses, if you're not going to communicate. That's one thing. But if you're not going to play with the requisite amount of toughness, now you can't even really cover up mistakes. Because that's what toughness is. Like toughness and playing hard and all those things, it's not perfect, but you give yourself a chance in those moments. And I thought they were tough for for a good you know, part of that game. It's just the down the stretch it they, you know, just kind of wilted. This is a defense that I thought could be elite this year. And, and early in the season, maybe it's the opponents they're playing like uh, but even against a team like Marquette, I, I thought this defense looked really good for most of that game. Why has it slipped to where over the last five games it's allowing 81 points a game? Like, I, I just didn't see this coming. I, I thought this defense had such a high floor. It's partly what I mentioned with, yeah. I think, just a lot. There's a lot that they're doing defensively. And, you know, good teams are versatile on that end. There's no question. But earlier in the year, it felt like there was just a little more continuity with what they were doing more consistently, where it's like, hey, we're drop. We're going to stay in drop. And you can continue to get really, really good at that. And and all this stuff factors in because in drop, like you you got to Coleman Hawkins has to be really good. Dane Danger has to be really good because they're the ones backpedaling into the paint. But as the season wears on, as you lose your legs a little bit, like are you still getting through screens the same way? Because that's that's another thing that will just completely disrupt your your defense um and and strain guys in different ways so i think that that has been a factor i think the way they've played offensively has been a factor they they've played with more pace since the beginning of the season so all that factors in too but the only way for me 
at least in, in my mind, to mitigate that is to just play your butt off. Like play your butt off, and if it's playing your butt off for three and a half minutes, cool. We got depth. Get somebody else in. Get you back out there. Like that that group that they had out there, Goody, Damask, uh, Hawkins, Shannon, Harmon, I think it was the a little bit under the 14-minute mark, all the way down to like the six-minute mark mm-hmm. that, that that group was in uh, with each other without any any substitutions. And they built that lead. So, but you have to be able to dial in and, and, and lock in. You get the February and March, man. It's like, I can talk about coverages all day. I can talk about this and getting over, but it's just, it's effort. Still, that said, does Underwood need to simplify things defensively? Do Like, what, what should, what should he do? Is there like one or two coverages that they should run on more often? Well, I think you got to, you got to ask yourself if two things are happening because you've always heard me say this when it comes to film, when it comes to adjustments, all those things, if you're, if you're not giving a hundred percent effort and I don't want this to sound like this, this team doesn't play hard because this team plays hard. Mm -hmm. It's just making it more consistent and playing smart too. I think you can factor that in as well. Staying focused. Like, are you doing those things and are you communicating? First, because I think you can run all these different coverages and, hey, we're switching one through five now and switching one through four if you're communicating and if you're playing hard all the time. But if you feel like that's an issue, then now you can't properly judge whether or not you should make an adjustment unless it's just like, hey, we just need those other two things to happen, communicating and playing hard. Um, But I do think there's probably a simplification element to it. They did it offensively. Mm -hmm. Right. And they had success with it. So, yeah, maybe maybe there is a opportunity to say, hey, in this home stretch, here's kind of like, you know, the main coverages we want to play. But a lot of that's personnel dependent, too. So yeah. I think figuring out those rotations, um, which is not a perfect science. And I think it's something that with a new team, which this kind of is outside of Taryn Shannon, Coleman Hawkins and Ty Rogers and maybe Luke Goody, like you're finding out what works late game and. You want to figure that out here in February so you have an idea going into March. One thing that has not worked late game is having Ty Rogers off the court. Northwestern, Ty Rogers wasn't on the court. Michigan State, Ty Rogers was not on the court. I can understand he's not a shooter. Uh, he can condense the floor a little bit. Um, I did not understand why he was not on the court at Michigan State when I just thought Luke Goody was put in a bad situation. Quincy Garrier, we'll get into him, has just not been the same player the last couple of weeks. Um, what did you make of that? Why? does Ty need to be on the court in, in some of these moments? Just because I think offensively he can create a little bit. Uh, he can get the Nebraska. I, we don't talk about how clutch he was. A lot of people like, but he didn't score maybe, but he was getting those offensive rebounds. You talked about that meant to prolong the game uh, to get them to overtime. Um, I, I just think he's one of their five best players. And I, I kind of believe in Ty Rogers. I kind of want him on the court. Mike, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think watching the game, it, it was confusing for me, but it's, you know, it's, it's interesting when you're sitting there on the couch and I know you were there, but you're watching it and, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of take it all in. And then I think when I went back and watched it the second time, you know, Ty comes in at the six and a half minute mark and he's in for about two minutes and he has a foul immediately. Like he, he locks and tries to trail Tyson Walker, Walker baits him foul shoots two free throws. Uh, And then they got two stops in a row after that. 
Um, and then Coleman probably got fouled on a layup and was on the ground. They got out in transition, hit a three. And then that was really it. Then he kind of got out of there. Here's here's like kind of the here, – here are my overall thoughts on this. Yeah. There's no question that there's less spacing when Ty's on the floor offensively. There's no question. Like when you have Goody and you have Harmon out there, there is much more spacing. There's room to operate. No doubt about that. Um, when Ty was in there, they had Sissoko on him and they just planted him right in the middle of the paint. Ty, Coleman actually still got a decent look around the rim. He just, he didn't finish it because he may have gotten fouled. But, um, but when you talk about being up eight and, and you go back to the Nebraska game, he was in when they were up 10 Yeah, and it, and it went into overtime. I just think that like more times than not assessing the game. And this is my opinion, right? Again, sitting on the couch, not being in the locker rooms, not being there at practice is just, Hey, if they were down five, with six minutes to go, I'm not sure Ty Rogers is the guy that you right. have in there because, like, you need spacing and stops don't really matter as much because you do need to score to try to catch up. Right now, when you're up eight with sit with you know five minutes left, five and a half minutes left, six minutes left, whatever it is, you know, can you can you get in there and like stops win you the game when you're up eight? You know, like, and they've shown that with him on the floor, even when he's guarded by fives, that they can still be a good offense. Not because, you know, there's more spacing because there isn't, but he generates second chance opportunities. And to me, looking back on it, I think it was less about getting Ty in there when it was 72-64 and more about getting Ty in there after Goody gave up the and one to Hall with like two minutes and 46 or 40 seconds left. Right. To me, it was it was Rodgers instead of Gary. Like that that is looking back on it. So it wasn't like the full – six minutes it was that right there where i just thought when when quincy went in you could tell i mean he just his footing like he was off balance like he just he didn't seem ready to play when he got in there and i just when you have the a certain personnel in there it's not about you know hey now malik hall is going to go with this. it's they run different stuff when they like they went back to malik hall because luke goody was on mm-hmm but when Ty was in there, they were going middle ball screen in the middle of the floor with with Tyson Walker for floaters where Coleman could get and drop. So it changes with your personnel. And I don't know. I, I just want to see moving forward how they manage this, because I think I think like the move would probably have been to go Rogers for Goody, especially in those last three minutes. Yeah. Because um, when you break it down, I think I think Rogers is the better defender. I think Rogers is the better rebounder, both offensively and defensively, and that's that's saying something because Luke Goody was pretty good actually on, on like he was hit yeah. the team and rebounds. Ty only had two, and 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 Ty hasn't been as good defensively as I want him to be, and I think he can be, uh, especially with the communication stuff. But in that moment, it just it just felt like I need a Ty Rogers moment here. Yeah, and and just even offensively, you mentioned the Nebraska game where. It's it's not perfect and the spacing isn't great, but what he can do generating second chance opportunity to kind of prolong the opportunities you have on the offensive end, I think is is huge. I think he's a great cutter. Uh, he's a great slasher. Um, but yeah, I but we we say all this, you can't turn the ball over like they did because you could. Ty Rogers could have sat that last six minutes and they could have won that game. 
Right. Yeah. Can I let's dive into that then? Because uh, I mean, offense, I'm not concerned a lot about the offense here, Mike, but there are two games in a row here where late in the game, the offense is struggling. They missed six shots and two turnovers in the final four minutes against Nebraska. They missed nine straight shots, go seven minutes without a field goal and have three what back to back to back turnovers it felt like or within four possessions that all led to runouts for Michigan State, which certainly hurts your defense. What what do you see in there? I mean, th- these are simple entry passes that they weren't able to make against Michigan State. Yeah, well, you mentioned the entry passes, and this is just something that you know, when you go to the same action for the majority of the second half, which was getting Coleman in that long post and um, you know, Harmon tried to get it to the mask that one time when they when they intercepted it. Smart players like AJ Hogard, like you know, like a Tyson Walker, like those type of guys that are on the ball, Jay Nakins. When you give them a steady diet of where that that action is starting from, right? Whether it's hey, you know, we're gonna get it onto the left, you know. Eight to 19 feet with Coleman, he's going to back down to 19 feet with Damas, he's going to back down. I just, even if that's the action you're getting to, in in a game like that where things get tight, officiating gets tight, and like they're not going to call as much, like you can't dribble up the left side of the court the whole time, pick up the ball, enter it. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's got to be like a false action to get back over to that side. Because one, you move the defense at least once, you don't let them kind of park and set up like they did. And and granted, like this is Illinois had success doing this too, but maybe it's, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm Justin Harmon. We want to enter it to Marcus Damask. we got Taryn Shannon here on the right wing. Um, you know, goodies space. Let me go dribble handoff weave, right. Or dribble handoff with Taryn Shannon come with his left hand. And like that at least gets the attention of the defense to where now we can enter it to the mask. Or maybe if they blow, a switch like we just got Terrence playing up top and can get downhill because I think like they've sl- they've really tried to slow things down and go to that booty ball and and more NBA style but having other ways to get into that especially late game when teams are going to load up when teams know that's what you're going into I think that'll alleviate some of that and 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 not have you have to play in such close quarters are you seeing anything with shot selection um at the end of games like Terrence has had moments in these last few games where he's looked like all Big Ten first team Terrence Shannon. He certainly looked like that for most of the game against Michigan State. Missed six straight shots in the game. Nebraska uh, missed a bunch of shots towards the end of the game. Are, are you seeing anything with shot selection or the shots they are getting at end of games, or are they just not making them? Uh, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think they did get some good shots. Like even even when I think it was seventy two sixty four, and they got a stop. And then came down. This is when Goody was in the game, and Hawkins had a great skip pass. Yep. Goody with no one in the zip code. Yep. So, like, they got good looks. The ones that I have some pause with, and it's tough to say you have pause because we've seen them do it, but the ones where there's no kind of inside out look, and it's just east west, and it's a Terrence Shannon right wing catch and shoot three. Because uh, I think when it was 74-72, or maybe 72-72, whenever, whatever it was, Terrence had the same type of look, but just drove with his right hand, attacked Malik Hall on, on a switch and got downhill and got fouled and shot free throws. So I, I get that in that position, it's like knockout punch. 
Because the reality is, if he does hit one of those threes, they might win the game. Right. So that's that's kind of the part that you're like, do we live with that? Do we not live with that? It's just on these players to say, okay, we're up eight. What are the two most important things? It's getting stops and it's taking care of the ball. I should say three. Getting stops, taking care of the ball, shot selection. Like If you take care of two of those things, you might win the game. Right. If if you're not really getting stops, but your shot selection's good and you're taking care of the ball, you have a chance. If you're turning it over a little bit, but when you do get shots on rim, they're good shots and you're getting stops, you give yourself a chance to win. And so you see what I'm getting at. It's just it can't be a breakdown of of all three, which it kind of was at at certain times in that game. Um, because the best offense for Illinois is getting a shot up. <laughs> right. Like that's how just like their offensive rebounding. That's what won them the game. I guess didn't lose them a game in regulation against Nebraska was just like, you know, they had the one turnover for Terrence with Juwan Gary. But other than that, they were getting shots on the rim and having 40 second offensive possessions. Ty Rogers getting it, tapping it back out, extending those possessions. So, you know, that is those those three key, key areas late game. And they just they got They got to find a way to rectify that. Mike, when we come back, I, I want to talk about two of the slumping seniors here on, on this team. i also talk about a little bit of positives from Michigan State, I thought, especially offensively, uh, and look ahead to the two games this week. We'll do that after we hear from one of our great sponsors. This episode of the Illini Inquirer podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is they have to be easy to be right, but sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through those challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your significant other, friends, work, or anyone. Guys, I know you can go through life and everything's going well, but there are things you still need to be talking through, especially in your relationships. I know my wife and I talk through a lot of these things, but sometimes it really helps to talk with someone else. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all right, Mike, uh, Terrence Shannon, 28 points, uh, his most productive game since uh, coming back. I just thought he was so aggressive, getting to the rim. Started the game 7-13 from the field, 2-4 from three, uh, and 12-13 from the free throw line. You needed that type of performance to have a chance in East Lansing. And the, I just thought Coleman Hawkins in that booty ball was so good, dicing up uh, Michigan State. Just uh, I think he assisted on five of the 11 made threes for Illinois in that game. That's what you need from your stars. Like they need a little bit more help, but those guys I thought were really encouraging. Yeah. I mean, really encouraging to see Terrence get back to the free throw line at, at the rate he was getting there before the suspension. And and then I thought his activity on the offensive glass was tremendous. Yeah, great point. He is just he is such a weapon on the offensive glass and and can really, really continue to help them in that area when he, when he pursues it. And, and Coleman was, Coleman was a stud. I mean, you saw early in that half, you know, the really a set play out of the gates. It looked like to get, to get Quincy going, they pinned in on the backside and Coleman skip it hits a three and, and uh, he just was making all the right reads out of it. Um, 
Yeah, he's he's so smart. I think he's, you know, he he can be somewhat you know underrated when he gets to backdowns against against smaller guys and um, and so for him to be able to put his imprint on the game in that way when it's usually a Damask or it's usually um, some of these other guys that are doing some of these backdowns, I thought was I thought was great because you know, his vision is 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 tremendous and um, and look these two guys are just. If Illinois wants to accomplish what they want to accomplish, I mean, these two guys, man, have to be, have to continue to to be lights out. Now, Terrence, late, you know, you 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 know, some of those shots he took late were just kind of, you know, the layup at the end. You, that's you know, Terrence Shannon makes that right. 90, 99 times out of a hundred. Um, but yeah, I mean, just him continuing to try to be, you know, be smart with with shot selection late. Um, it, but but they. They they were a huge reason why they were up seventy two sixty four with yeah. with you know with time winding down. So if they if they tighten the screws a little bit late game, I mean this is again this team they have it's all there. Like to to, to me it's it's all there. It's just about you know getting getting a, a complete forty minute effort. Yeah, I thought you made a great point. Some of those toughness rebounds, putbacks, I thought were just massive. And I, the little things that Terrence Shannon was doing before that suspension, that those are the great things, I think, to see. Um, one thing that's concerning me now is, you know, I, I didn't – maybe it was a game or two. I was I didn't want to react too much. But Quincy Garrier had such an 11-game tear where he averaged about 16 points, nine rebounds from December through January, shot 43% from three. But last four games, five-and-a-half points, four-and-a-half rebounds – and I'm just not seeing the same bite. Like I'm not seeing the same physicality from him uh, on either side of the floor. What does Illinois need to do to get him right? Because he's such an X factor. No, <laughs> so, he is. Yeah, he is. I mean, a lot of times. I mean, think about when when Jacob Grandison was really good. Yeah. Like when Jacob Grandison was really good for those teams, they didn't lose very often um, because it's like an added scoring punch. It's you know he makes toughness plays, and and that's what Quincy has to kind of dial back in. And again, I'm not there at practice locker room. I know he just had a kid. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot there in addition to being college athlete that, um, that you have to probably kind of compartmentalize, but for him, it just like, it starts with his effort. It just, it just does. Uh, he's cross-matched on Tominaga uh against Nebraska and, and doesn't have any offensive rebounds. Now Tominaga did a heck of a job of of blocking out like like shorter guys do when they're trying to survive a cross match like that. But I just mentioned Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon, just what what they can do for this team and, and when you forecast what this team can do moving forward, Quincy's a big part of that too. Marcus Damask is a big part of that too. Like they're gonna need all these guys at a bare minimum like because I, I, I watch Quincy, and there's guys that, when you question effort or you question, you're like, man, do they care? Like I think Quincy cares, and it's just it's almost like it's less of an effort thing and more of a focus thing. Because yeah. when you're when you're focused, you can get yourself to the right place, you can be in the right place, you know, positionally, and you can you can do all those things, and you just you 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 put yourself in the right spot. So. That's the st next step for him. Um, now, as they've changed some things and gone to more booty ball and backdowns, like Quincy really started to, I guess, sprout when 
like I think about the Mizzou game, like the, you know, the FDU game, the Colgate, like those were where guys are getting downhill. Maybe there's help off the strong side corner, driving kick. There's a little more kind of standing mm-hmm. and finding your spot. Cause I feel like Quincy where he was making a killing was from those corners. Yeah. And now it's like, he's, he's kind of shifting around and they're cutting through and where am I going to get the looks? And, um, but all that to say, you just, if he plays with, just the intentionality and and the focus that he's fully capable of, of doing because we've seen it. Um, this team will will for sure hit another gear. I thought among all the players, the playing time would most be impacted of Terrence Chan's return. Um, I thought Justin Harmon would get fewer minutes. He's actually averaging the same. Uh, twenty five minutes when Terrence was out in seven games or about seven games. Twenty five minutes in the five games coming back, but his point total is kind of halved there um what do you see there because again like this guy playing a lot of minutes not getting a ton of production out of him but we know again he's another huge x factor to help those you know three main stars we talk about yeah i think i think justin's been been really good i think when you look at the i don't i don't put the most stock into plus minus but for this guy it's it's just game after game it's kind of hard to deny mm-hmm. especially in in big 10 play uh, he's just been he's been really solid in the in with the minutes that he's had, and that's not just you know point production or defensively. I mean, I think he's done good things on on in both of those areas, but it's 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 an alignment thing too. When you when you talk about him offensively, and you can say, hey, all right, we got a thirty eight percent, forty percent three point shooter, we can space, and what that allows us to do. So it's not like he's going in there and is willing himself to a personal 14-0 run like he did against FDU. It's just more so him being out there allows them to do certain things offensively. And I do think he's he's super active in gaps and um he does compete on the ball defensively and um he he draws tough assignments at times, especially when he comes in and he's subbing in for a, a Terrence Shannon or subbing in for a, a Ty Rogers who's guarding an AJ Hogard who's guarding a Tyson Walker. So um you see the recurring theme, like when, when all these guys put it together, this is just a tough team to beat. And, and Justin it's 67, 64, and he's another guy that can attack switches and get downhill. We saw that in the Rutgers game where he just made them pay and was getting, getting to the rim at, um, at will. And, and, you know, 67, 64, Carson Cooper gets switched on to him and it's just, he cooks, like he just gets downhill, lays it in and, um, I, it's been great to see because that's what he did at Utah Valley State. And I think when you see a guy kind of recapture that scoring ability, it just it, that the confidence kind of permeates through throughout the, the rest of your game. But I but I think where he is kind of an X factor for this team is on the glass and he has to continue to be because yes. I think he's a really underrated rebounder. And whether that's offensively, certainly defensively, um, you know, he, he's a guy that that is um it's going to be huge for them moving forward. Illinois hosts Michigan, the last place team in the Big Ten, a team that won't be with will be without uh, Doug McDaniel, their best player, and their offense has been putrid on the road without him, uh, averaging about sixty-one points, shooting about thirty-eight percent when he doesn't play in these road games. What do you want to see from him on Tuesday night against the last place team in the Big Ten at home? It's toughness, right? Like once again, what does this win do for? Your resume, not like not much if you do win. Uh, what does it do for your net ranking? Not much if you do win. So 
you know, can you go out and give an all out 40 minute effort when the incentive is really just adding another win in the win column for, you know, for the big 10 race, um, for the NCAA tournament, uh, like that has to be the thought process. Cause if, if this Illinois team comes in and says, man, let's recapture who we were defensively, man, let's, let's work to get good shots. Let's, let's play with an all out effort. They'll run this team off the floor. Right. But if you don't do those things, and you let a team like that just knocked off Wisconsin a couple days ago or, or a week ago, anything can happen. I mean, I, I I truly think all these Big Ten teams, albeit the top, I don't think is as great. I think I think you have Purdue, you have Illinois, Michigan State's surging. You know, you got Wisconsin, like, but the middle to bottom is still just. I just still think they're really dangerous. Like they're dangerous enough to where you think if you want to come in and take a night off at the State Farm Center, they can beat you. Indiana, uh, right? Yeah. Indiana, same thing. They didn't even have Khalil Ware. It didn't, and it didn't matter. Now I know, like Doug McDaniel's a, a massive loss for them, but I don't know. I mean, you could there could be a twenty-five point game from Kamwa. There could be, you know, Barnett could get going. Like there's there's a lot of things that could happen. You don't want to leave it up to chance. Go in there and just you know plant your flag. You know, at, at midcore of the State Farm Center, and if you play with that that effort and toughness, this is you know, that's that's a win. Yeah, and it's a team that I feel like, man, if you deal them a couple blows early, Mike, we've seen with this Michigan team on the road, especially like they might not be able to get up. Like they might not get off the mat. Like I've seen that with that uh, at Maryland, uh, not currently a quad one opportunity. There's a team that has your number. What do you want to see in that one? Because that's uh, that's obviously a more talented team and a team. Probably not in the NCAA tournament conversation here, but yeah, that 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 I'm going to be there on Saturday night. I'm interested to see the crowd because that fan base is, can be fickle with wh- whether they show up or not. So um, it's still an opportunity to get a road win, but a team that's had your number. Yeah, and you're right. When we when we played Maryland, my senior year, they were contending for a Big Ten title. Dude, that right behind the basket, those bleachers go yeah. to the moon, and they filled it with students they run that flag down down the uh down the student section and just is it's it's one of the best environments in um i think in college basketball when they when when it's right but when we've seen teams go in there this year you know michigan state went in there and won uh ruckers went in there and won and you know it's not it's not what it was but this is a team that's had your number Mm -hmm. and this is a team that punked you on your home floor and and you turned in your worst performance of the season um so that's got to give you some added motivation going into that game and uh all about how you guard jameer young it's all about how you navigate ball screens it's all about how you guard off ball screens when he's coming off of curl cuts all that that is to me that's the game that is the game is how you contain him and how you know i'll go back to a point that i wanted to make earlier when you talk about Coleman Hawkins. And I think I, I might've said it, but you know, when you have a non-shooting big and, an, and I don't want to say non-factor big, cause Reese is certainly a factor. Um, that's more reserved for like the Carson Coopers right. of the world where like, you're just planted in the paint. I just think that like when Coleman's in that Rover spot, it's a great spot because he can, he can see things. He's so smart, knows where actions are coming from point talk, air traffic control, um, but I think you take a little bit of the bite out of your defense when he's not up and he's not 
disrupting like he was on that stretch where he had 11 steals in two games and he like where he can kind of be in drop and make you second guess. And um, so my hope is that in that game, which I don't think they will is like, you know, kind of planting, planting Coleman further back because Reese is a non-shooter. Like I just think play it, play it almost straight up where you're up, up to touch and can, and can kind of give some space on that drop to, to make Jameer Young have to make a decision. Yep. And, and also with Coleman Hawkins stay on the floor. That that's that's you know that that hurts you against Maryland the first time around. He's off the floor for the end of the game. He's off the floor at the eight minute mark in the first half. But I think he did. I think he did come in at the end of that half, end of the first half with two fouls. But he is so important to this team. But those fouls impacted him the way he defended. Right, like yeah. you, you could tell. Like you just trying not to get a foul, and he's their rim protector. Um, so it's just let's not thought it was a soft tee. Uh, and I know he didn't like it, but I do think because of his emotions of how he acts and the histrionics he has, the refs aren't taking it right now from him. I mean, two T's in, in three games, not a lot of players get that for that. So I, I think they're quick on him, and I think he's got to be aware of that now, Mike. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And 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 the other thing too is that's that's why that that tech at Michigan State, which soft. I mean, yeah, it's that's a. T- I mean, granted, they did get Illinois back. They, they made up for you with the Aikens one, but. Yelling at the team. Here's what here's what I don't understand. And I don't, I'm not gonna go off on a separate tangent. I'm just gonna make the point of like, I can't imagine that officials are oblivious, this oblivious to where a guy turning to this fans and saying boom, or you know, Jay Nakins turning towards the bench is the same as dudes like going down the floor and like shooting bullets into the stands and doing the too small all the way on the floor, rocking the baby. Like to me, that is, I, I, none of it should get teed up to be honest. Yeah. But the fact that that stuff goes like un, you know, completely undeterred. And then you have this stuff, like, it's just, but my, my point is that if you're Coleman, it's finding that fine line of don't ever lose your, your fire, man. Like don't ever lose that. Like Coleman, if, the day Coleman Hawkins comes into a game and is quiet and and tames his own emotion is a game that you're gonna probably not see a good one. Like it's not gonna be a good game from Coleman Hawkins because that's just not that's not the way he's wired. But still having the the you know the wherewithal to say, hey, my responsibility to this team is as much as I want to turn and, and say something to these fans right in front of the official, because I think that factored in too. Like he turned and he was like face to face with the official. Um, now you have a foul and now your second foul is two. So don't give them a free one. Yeah. And and the last part I'll mention too, is they are going to throw it into Julian Reese and they are going to have Coleman Hawkins in single coverage. Most likely, maybe they send a trap. This is a poor Maryland shooting team. So maybe it's not the worst thing, Agreed. but like he's got to be smart down there, not picking up two fouls, but gap help has to be there. Stunts have to be there. Digs have to be there. Fake digs, fake stunts, anything to get Julian Reese off kilter and not allow him to just get to back down dribble, back down dribble, back down dribble, left hook. Yeah. That that can't – he has to be off rhythm in some form or fashion. Part, part of that's on Coleman Hawkins, and part of that is on the guys around him. All right, Mike, before I let you go, I had a few questions I want to get to from the, the live chat here on YouTube. Uh, Boot says, team might be soft, but Brad needs to coach better. His lack of adjustments – are glaring at times. Did you find a lack of adjustments in that Michigan State game? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I talked about probably getting Ty in there with when you know for Quincy or instead of Quincy when you did take Luke Goody out. Um, I, I think part part of you know Brad Underwood's DNA, um, it's what makes him a really good coach. Is that there is just like with a lot of coaches, there's like some stubbornness, right? And it's hard when you when I think you watch a lineup that builds you this lead to eight in that Michigan State game, you ride them from 13 minute mark to the six minute mark, and then you're quick to go back to them because that's who built the lead. Like maybe there's a there's an assessing element to it where it's like, okay, well, what do we need here? We're up eight. Let's prioritize stops. Okay, if we want to get stops, like who are our guys that we can go to? And that's where maybe you bring in a Ty Rogers for a Luke Goody in those in those moments. Like that's where I think some of the adjustments that can, that can be made. Well, and sure. I, to get to your point, like with Julian Reese, kind of going off on you at some point. I get the I get the idea of what you're going for. Force them into tough twos, but he was kind of rolling. So at some point, yeah. like, okay, maybe post trap a little sooner, like make that, make that adjustment a, yeah. a little sooner. So. And maybe, and maybe it's not a post trap. Maybe it's just a reminder, which I'm sure they're doing in the huddle where it's like, you know, you have Julian Reese going to work. I'm Marcus Damask on the ball side, or I'm Marcus Damask at the top of the key. And I have Harris Smith, who's you know not shooting it particularly well from three this year. Like, Hey, let's go and and play the game a little bit. You've you heard me say basketball is a game of deception. Like, let's go and and stunt. Let's make him second guess. Let's make him not as comfortable shooting these hooks. Like that that type of stuff. I think is, you know, in game situations, like going from from staff to player. Um, like you hope that's kind of what's being said, uh, and then you hope that the players are being able to, you know, digest it and go do it and execute it on the floor. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's there's certain things for for every staff, but certainly for for Brad, like you know, late game situations, you want to go with what's been working, but being able to kind of assess and say, hey, what do we need here? It stops. You know, maybe we get our best defensive lineup in there. Our last one, Boot says, do you think we'll see Dane and Coleman playing together on a more consistent basis? What do you think, Mike? I mean, it depends on what your definition of consistent basis is. I, I don't consistent. No, that I, I can tell you that now. No, that is. I not. just yeah. I just don't. Th- I just don't think so. I think it's going to be, you know, you're going to have Dane coming in to spell Coleman at the five on some occasions. I could see them going to tie at the five defensively at times. If if Coleman's out of the game, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, you know, maybe it's Quincy at the five. Um, you know, and then Dane course like in, in foul trouble situations like I will say with Dane last it was really started with the Ohio State game he seems to be when he gets in there like hey man I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna lock in defensively yes and I'm just gonna be active and whatever else happens happens and that's like been the best thing I think for Dane because I think it settles him in a little bit more um he's made some free throws as well, which is, which has been great. Um, but I, I don't see that being a, a particular adjustment where it's like, ah, we got to play these, these two guys together, but maybe, right. Maybe you, you say, well, we got Julian Reese. Like maybe that's more Dane danger minutes to potentially, unfortunately, like absorb fouls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you put Coleman Hawkins on more of like a Dante Scott, uh, and then the rest of the guys get, you know, slide down to to guarding some of those other guys. So um, is it likely? Probably not, but um, but possible, I think, given the matchups. 
Yeah, just to wrap up, Mike, uh, my kind of take on this I wrote about today is I'm not selling stock on this team, but there, there, there are like this is a really good basketball team, and I still think it has really good potential, especially if you get Terrence back, back to being full, you know, pre-suspension Terrence. And I think we're starting to see flashes of that a little bit. Um, but th- there are concerns here, like some trends, especially defensively, late game stuff, that if they want to be a great team, and if they want to go as far as they think they can go, they got to clean it up and they got a month to do it. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're not going to guard at a high level, like that is going to be, you're going to kind of sign your own yep. death certificate in March. I mean, that's just, that's just how that works. There's so much shooting variance and shots made shots missed that you don't, you don't want to play that game when you get into a single elimination tournament. Um, you know, so I, I think that's, that's where it starts, but you know, I, I think I've talked about this before when you look at the profile of this team, okay, size, check, right? Offensive ability, check. Defensive ability, check. Character. Like, I think this is I think this is a good character team. I think, like, they check a lot of those boxes. But just because you have those boxes doesn't mean it's just – it's automatic, it's autopilot every single game. So if this team can dial in and say, man – Here's who we are. Let's get back to our identity. Let's be just relentless defensively, forcing tough twos, clearing the glass. Because if you do that, you can get out in transition. Um, and then, hey, let's use our size. Let's use our offensive ability. Let's let's move. Let's cut. Let's shoot with confidence. Let's let's get into the right type of actions that whatever the matchup calls for. Let's do all that. If they if they can do those things, uh, they can absolutely. I mean, have you like look around the country this year? Like to me right now, like there are two teams that I think right this second, like there are only two teams I can envision winning at all right now. It's UConn and Purdue. Like those are, those are the two teams. Everybody else given the floors that they've shown can like, can't make the second weekend or or is, is susceptible to not making the second weekend. I truly believe that. It's a great point, Mike, to remind Illini fans, every other fan base is going through the doubts and then the highs and the lows of all. I mean, North Carolina fans are going through it right now. Marquette fans go through like all these other teams that are in this Wisconsin, (laughs) Wisconsin. Yes. Perfect example. All these teams are having these doubts, then these highs and these, then the loss. Like, how did that happen? Like what's happening? Why aren't we, we're not going to be that sweet 16 team. Well, there's going to be 16 of them and I only feel comfortable with two of them right now. Yeah. No, truly. I mean, I, I've, I've, I feel like I've watched a lot of college basketball. I've watched a lot of these teams, and you know, I it's it's Tennessee hard. Might be my next one. Like, I feel good about that team, but yeah, like, look, I, I think, you know, we get we get kind of pulled into this Illinois orbit. Yeah, where it's like, you know, if we're not watching Illinois games, we're watching Big Ten games. If it's not a Big Ten game, it's an Illinois game. And when you watch college basketball, it's just. There is, and this is this is kind of my my theory on this is the transfer portal and what that's what it's done the last few years. Because when you go back, there's some college basketball accounts that will post like, "Here's the AP poll from 2018, uh, week 14," and you'll see Villanova and you'll see Kansas and you see all these teams and they're 21 and one, 21 and two, 20 and two, 22 and two, like. And the, right now, I think in the top 25, there's two two-loss teams. Yeah. And it's it's UConn and Purdue. The rest of the teams are, I think, at least three losses or more. So my theory is that the transfer portal has 
raise the ceiling for teams. It's all five losses or more to be like, I'm looking at it. Yeah. Like UConn, Purdue, Houston has three, everyone else like in the top 20 of the Ken Palm has five losses. Yeah. So like, I think, I think what you've seen is because you can get a quick influx of talent via the portal, right? Like teams can reload quicker. And that I think continues to give you a ceiling, right? Like you still have a ceiling. But the fact that there's these overhauls of rosters and continuity isn't fully developed, floors are lower. Mm-hmm. Floors are lower now than they have been in like probably ever in college basketball. So you don't want to be one of those teams that is playing catch up all year to try to get continuity and it's then it's too late in March. Try to find it, capture it, because if you capture it, you're going to face a hell of a lot of teams in March that have not. I, I can guarantee that. So that's why this month of February and and ascending to that point is is so important. Because man, if there's a year, man, if there's a year to do it, it's 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 this year for sure. Yeah, and just perfect example. I say Tennessee; they just lost by 16 on the road at Texas A&M. So there you go. <laughs> just kind of a perfect example of it. Michael Tulip, you are the goods. Thanks for uh, coming out with us. We appreciate it as always, man. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for everybody on the live YouTube channel. Hit the like button, subscribe to us, hit the notifications bell as well. Thanks to everybody on the podcast for us in there. Rate us, review us, and uh, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Online Choir Podcast. Bye, everybody.